Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. And we're going to do a whole new message today on the life of Jonah. And I'm entitled to the message, Grace for the Disgraced. Or you can say, Grace for the Reckless. But let me begin by telling you a bad dad joke about Jonah. Now, why couldn't Jonah trust the ocean? Well, he just knew there was something fishy about it. That's why he couldn't trust it. Well, I want to know, grace will keep you motivated. Disgrace zaps the courage right out of you. In Titus chapter 2, it says, The grace of God has appears that offers salvation. That is, offers salvation to all people. So God has given us grace, and he's given us a certain measure of grace that appears to everybody. And with that offer of grace is also the offer of salvation. And this grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, and to live a life that is self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, I want you to know that God values the lost. Have you ever lost something? Now, the more important something is, the more diligent you are to find it. If you lose your cell phone, you will diligently search for it until it's found. You don't stop looking until it's found. As a matter of fact, one day I had taken my son Seth out and uh, he wanted to go get something to eat. And so I put my cell phone on the roof of my van. I loaded him in the back of the van and I pulled off. Well, I forgot my cell phone sitting on top of my van. Well, you know, I drove over a mile before that cell phone fell off and I didn't realize exactly where it fell off. But when I got home, I asked my wife to track my phone. And she tracked it, and it was on the side of Caratoke Highway, of all places, right by the duck through, right across from the Moyoc Farm. And I know people in Moyoc, where I live, they probably don't listen to this broadcast because it's difficult to get the signal, but maybe they're listening to me on a podcast. And you know what I did? I diligently searched for that phone. The reason I did is because it was starting to rain. And as I was thinking about the phone, first I took my wife and my son, Seth, and we drove out there. We couldn't find it. And we kind of found a rough area that was pinging, but it was dark and, and we couldn't find it. And so I took them back home and I said, well, uh, I guess I'm going to have to get another cell phone. But you know, I tossed and turned on my bed that night. And finally, about one o'clock in the morning, I said, you know what? I think I remember hearing a, a funny noise of something. And I thought it was a branch hit the top of my van. I said, I bet you that was the cell phone sliding off the top of my van. And I said, I kind of remember where I was when I heard that noise because it was getting ready to rain, the wind was blowing. And uh, you know what I did? I diligently went out there and I says, you know, I better go out right now. At one o'clock in the morning, there's probably not much traffic out there on Caratoke Highway. And I said, if I don't find it now, uh, it's going to surely be run over in the morning with all the cars zipping up and down the highway. And so I diligently searched for that cell phone. And wouldn't you know it, I found it <laughs> right on the edge of the highway. My diligence paid off. Well, you know, diligence pays off and God values the lost. Now, I want you to know, God so values the lost that he wants us to be part of his team to reach the lost. Now, I've got some really good news for you. God's grace is available for the lost, for the reckless, for the undeserving. So today, I want to look at the life of Jonah. It's probably going to be today's broadcast and tomorrow's broadcast. 
Jonah was a minor prophet with a major message. He was given a task to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is a notable city in the Bible. It is the capital of Assyria. The Ninevites were longtime enemies of Israel. That little town was located in what is called modern-day Iraq. Now, Nineveh is mentioned in Scripture as a place that turned away from sin through a warning by God, but which was later destroyed. So the message for the Ninevites was that God has a wonderful plan for your life, and he's going to bring about something wonderful for you. But the bad news is that they were going to go back, and they were going to live an old lifestyle of sin. So Jonah was asked and given this task to go to Nineveh and to preach against it. You see, there was evil in that city, and it was like a dirty stench before the Lord, and it was time for judgment to come. Well, when God said Nineveh was wicked, he wasn't kidding. You know, Nineveh was part of the most powerful empire in the world of that day. The Assyrians had a reputation for cruelty that is hard for us to fathom. Their specialty was brutally of a gross and disgusting kind. You see, when their armies would capture a city or country, unspeakable atrocities would occur. Things like skinning people alive, chopping off the heads of people, mutilating the bodies of people. If they didn't like what you said, they would rip out your tongue. They made a pyramid of human heads, piercing the chin with a rope and forcing their prisoners to live like a dog in a kennel. Ancient records from the Assyrians boast of this kind of cruelty as a badge of courage and power. The Assyrians had no use for the Jews, and the Jews hated the Assyrians. Hatred for them and their bloodthirsty cruelty. Hatred for their idolatry. The Jews hated them for their arrogance. For a Jewish man to be told by God to go to preach to Nineveh was repugnant. As far as Jonah was concerned, Nineveh could go straight to hell. Go ahead, Lord, push the button, open the trapdoor, let him fall straight down into the pit. That's how Jonah felt about Nineveh. That was his heart. Now, Jonah will probably go on record as being the world's worst missionary. As we begin our journey with the life of Jonah, let me clarify one point. Jonah is not the hero of the story. God is. In the beginning, he is running from God. At the end, he is arguing with God. But in between, he is praying and he is preaching. The only missionary I have ever heard who had no passion or love for the people that he was called to reach was Jonah. When we look at an overview of the book of Jonah, that fish, that large fish, is mentioned four times. That great city of Nineveh is mentioned nine times. Jonah, by name, is mentioned 18 times. God is mentioned 38 times. Let me give you a summary of the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters. Chapter number one, Jonah runs. Chapter number two, Jonah prays. Chapter number three, Jonah preaches. And then chapter number four, Jonah pouts. (laughs) Now, Jonah is remembered by many, not because he was 
a great prophet, but because he was the unfortunate guy who got swallowed up by a great fish. Now, Jonah had no desire to be God's prophet, and he tried to run from that duty. It ended him with getting eaten by a great fish. And getting into that fish, Jonah even made that fish so sick that that fish got indigestion and and spit up Jonah up on the shore. But as we look at how God used Jonah, Jonah had an eight-word sermon. Eight words of warning for the Ninevites. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And that simple phrase was enough to get the Ninevites to repent, just to show you that God can deliver grace even through a terrible preacher. Well, I want to share with you today and in tomorrow's broadcast seven ways that God reveals His grace. Uh, Number one, He speaks His grace to the disgrace. I am so happy to know that even when I mess up, God still wants to speak to me. He still wants to give me his grace. We learn in chapter number one, verses one and two, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And here it is. Hey, Jonah, go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So God is speaking, and when God speaks, He speaks grace. Why? Because that's his nature. God is gracious all the time. And all the time, God is gracious. I am gracious some of the time, but God is always gracious. I tell the guys at the prison, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. God is gracious all the time. And all the time, God is gracious. I am good and I am gracious some of the time, but God is always gracious. And we learned the first time that we see God's grace, and actually that word grace found in the Bible is way back in Genesis chapter 6, where it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Will you do me a favor? I'm asking for grace. When God speaks, he speaks with a purpose. So God says to Jonah, here is what I want you to do, Jonah. You are a Hebrew. You know me, and I know you. Now, I want you to go, and I want you to proclaim this message of grace to a group of people who don't know me, the Ninevites. When God spoke to Jonah, God knew that Jonah was going to reject the message and go the opposite direction. God knew Jonah wasn't going to board a ship, and God also knew that he was going to encounter a storm. God knew that he was going to be swallowed up by a great big fish, but God in his grace still shared the message. So here is what I want to ask you. How has God spoken grace to you today? The word of the Lord came to you. What does he want you to do? For Jonah, it was to go to that great city of Nineveh. But for you, maybe it's to go to your neighbor, maybe to go to your coworker, maybe to go toward as somebody who you've had a falling out with. You know, many years ago, I was at a school board meeting. And in the middle of this school board meeting in a small little town in central Virginia, I was serving as an associate pastor uh, in this church. And, and I attended this meeting and uh, kind of to know what's going on and within the county. And, 
And in the middle of this meeting, this woman, who I didn't know, stands up and says, this guy right here has stolen money from the fund that they had created. And it was a little fund they had created. And it's basically a little fund to buy equipment and things like that for the school. And I'm like, I have no idea who this lady is. And it ended up she wrongly thought I was somebody else. But she stuck with her story the whole meeting. And I, I'm throwing up my arms. I, I don't know who this lady is. I don't know what she's talking about. And so anyway, that lady later on learned of her mistake. And I went to her and said, listen, you, you got the wrong person. And uh, at first she was all gruff. And at first she kind of rejected that. And said, well, yeah. But finally, she realized her mistake. And this arch enemy of mine, I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. And her life was drastically changed. I baptized her. And she was kind of a difficult person to kind of get along with. But I remember when I, I moved from that church in Central Virginia to uh, the Hampton Roads area, I remember as I was leaving, the church had a, a gathering for us. And, and this woman got up, and, uh, and she had put a whole collage together of the uh, eight years that I had been in that church and uh, some of the highlights of the things that were accomplished. And she put this together, and then she had a picture of, of me baptizing her, and she presented this to me. And she says, I so thank the Lord for what Calvin Corbett has done for me. Now, I don't say that story to pat myself on the back, but I want you to know that when God speaks grace, he speaks to the disgraced. And God has a word that he wants you to share with somebody today. And it may be a very unlikely candidate. It may be somebody that you don't even like. It may be somebody that you despise. But God is going to take your words in his grace, to make a change. You see, God reveals his grace because he speaks grace to the disgraced. Well, it doesn't stop there. But God also gives grace for the disgraced. Look at verse number three. Going back to the story of Jonah, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found the ship for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, here's something that we've got to know. We cannot outrun the grace of God. Trust me, I have tried. Even while Jonah was attempting to run from God's grace, he was experiencing God's grace. He paid the fare provided by God's grace. He fled using the oxygen in his lungs provided by God's grace. He even had the cognitive ability to run from God and the ability to give by God's grace. You see, you've got to be in pretty good health to run. You ever see old people run? Oh, it's a sight, right? You notice as you're young, you would skip, and then you get older, you would run. You don't see old people skipping or running, but Jonah ran. How in the world could he run? God gave him the good health so that he could run. Now, you've got to be in pretty good financial shape to pay the fare of a ship. And God provided grace to Jonah by giving him the money that he needed to take that fare, even though he was going in the wrong direction. You see, only healthy and strong people flee. Has it ever occurred to you that in your times of running from God, the very health and the very money that you use is a gift of grace from God? What does God want me 
to stop running from right now. Maybe you're fearful that you're going to fail. Let me ask you, what would you do if you knew for certainty that you would accomplish it? What would you do if you knew that you would be guaranteed success? God gives his grace for the disgraced. God speaks to the disgraced. But number three, we also see that even in storms, God displays his grace. Verses four and five. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. You see, the storms of God's grace produce changes that could not have occurred otherwise. Now, these sailors, they were afraid. I mean, God grabbed their attention. They are tried and true sailors who had seen some storms, but nothing like this storm. They cried out in fear to their gods. They tried to lighten the ship. They did everything they knew to do, and it wasn't working. But God's grace was doing something else. God's grace was working in that great wind and that violent storm and that destructive storm and that time of fear. God's grace was causing them to cry out to God in the midst of a storm. You know, a call of action. You know, we think about the storms in our lives. I think there's kind of three types of storms that we have in our lives. The first type of storm is, is what I would call a perfecting storm. This is when God allows hardships into our lives to make us stronger spiritually. I think about a guy by the name of Job. Job went through a perfecting storm. The Bible says, referring to Job in James chapter 1, that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And maybe God's allowing you to go through a storm right now because he's trying to smooth off some rough edges in your life. He's trying to make you more like him. And he knows the only way that's going to happen is you got to go through that storm. There's a second type of storm that I think the Lord allows in our lives. And I guess we could call those protecting storms. That's the kind of the storm that the disciples experienced when they're out on the Sea of Galilee. After Jesus had performed perhaps one of his most popular miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, and other people loved that miracle. They were so impressed. They loved all the supernatural things that Jesus was doing, whether it be raising people from the dead, ah, that's awesome, Uh, whether it be restoring the sight, uh, those who could not see, or bringing back the hearing to those who could not hear, man, that was incredible. But a free lunch... Well, now you're talking. Well, this crowd wanted to make Jesus king by force. So Jesus said to his disciples, in effect, get into that boat. We're heading out of here. He delivers his disciples from what would have been a lot of adulation, what would have been a lot of problems because they would have been filled with pride. And so he brings them out into a storm to protect them. There's another type of storm that I I think the Lord brings into our lives. We've talked about perfecting storms. We've talked about protecting storms. And then number three, he brings 
the storms of correction into our lives. You see, we basically need to be corrected from time to time. We were heading in the wrong direction. Jonah was in a correcting storm. It was his own fault. He brought it upon himself. And God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring this storm, and it's going to change the direction of your life. You're running from me. And so I'm going to have this storm get you back on the right track. What is it that God is using in your life right now to get you on that right track? What storm do I need to stop being afraid of right now? You know, I know people that are still fearful of COVID. I know people that are fearful of getting sick and getting cancer. I know people that are fearful that their career is going to fall apart or their marriage is going to fall apart. I want you to know, God speaks in the times of our storms. Well, let's see how else God speaks, right? He says that God allows the storms in our lives and and he works and he gives grace even to the disgrace by speaking to us. He gives grace to disgrace by even giving us grace that we don't deserve. He speaks to us. He gives us grace. And, and even in the storms, he displays his grace. But we learn, fourthly, that God even gives sleep to the disgraced. Verses 5 and 6, we learn that Jonah had gone down below deck, and he had laid down there, and, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call upon your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us and we will not perish. You see, when the world sees us asleep, only caring about our own problems, the world sometimes rebukes the church. And when the world sees us evangelizing, they don't always see Jesus in that, but they think maybe we want their money or we have another agenda that we want to increase our church size. But we ourselves, as we go through these times of suffering, we can see Christ. He is the resource of our faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says that the Lord Jesus Christ was eternally rich, gloriously exalted, but although he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. You see, Jonah is in a deep, deep sleep. He was comatose. He had so worn himself out trying to run from the grace of God that he fell asleep. The captain had to wake him up and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? Call upon your God. You see, the captain, in essence, is saying to Jonah, do something good with your faith. Don't hide in hibernation. Help us out. Pray to your God. In Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah says, now it shall be, when you have finished reading this book, that you shall tie a stone to it and throw it into the Euphrates. Then you shall say, thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus are the words of Jeremiah. Listen, if you're sleeping soundly, that's a gift of God's grace. Even if you're sleeping soundly in the midst of terrible times, Babylon sinks from the weight of rejecting God's word. What is it that you need to wake up to today to have that change of direction in your life today? Oh, I pray that you will quickly make that change. Well, my time is just about up for today. Please join me tomorrow as we continue on this theme, Grace for the Disgraced. So, Lord, thank you so much for being with us today. 
We have so enjoyed this story of Jonah, and I pray that we'll have a takeaway that we will realize that even when we mess up, you give us your grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you for the fact that we can know you and we can experience your power in our lives. So I pray as we look at part two tomorrow that we'll be open-hearted, open-minded, ready to be filled with your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just before I close off the broadcast, I wanted to invite you to join me on Easter Sunday. We have a service at 7 o'clock. We have a service at 8.30. And then we have a service at 11. And then in between the 8.30 and 11 o'clock service, we're going to be doing an Easter egg hunt. And this is for parents and their children. I would love to have you come. Now, you can register ahead of time for the Easter egg hunt. Just go to hrcc7.org and just click on events and then click on Easter egg hunt. And you go ahead and register. That way we'll be ready for you on Easter Sunday. Any questions that you have, feel free to call me. If I can pray for you, shoot me a text, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to giving you part two tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.